0: welcome back to command your life podcast this is episode four and i am beyond proud to introduce you to our special guest today erica elizabeth kelly erica kelly is a native of guatemala she came to the united states when she was just 12 years old she's a proud single parent of two accomplished young men she's certified john maxwell professional speaker executive coach and trainer as well as presently serving as a senior special agent for the Department of Homeland Security, Customs, and Border Protection. My connection to Erica Kelly is through her previous role as the 17th Command Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force Reserve Command and a senior enlisted advisor to the Chief of the Air Force Reserve. Chief Kelly represents the highest enlisted executive level of leadership in the military, serving more than 74,000 families, civilians, enlisted members and officers across more than 60 military bases worldwide. The conversation that you're about to listen to cuts straight to the truth about the mindset and courage that it takes to conquer your limiting beliefs, apply forgiveness, and take those risks in order to be able to command your life. So let's get after it. The world doesn't need any more followers. The world needs more women leaders. Leaders that are confident because they've conquered their insecurities. Leaders who have standards and boundaries because they refuse to lower them for anyone else's comfort. This means you. The world needs more women leaders who are ready for responsibility, they require respect, and take ownership over the choices that they make. This is for you if you are a woman who wants more, and you will not apologize for standing in your truth, you won't make excuses, and you are ready to command your life. So in today's episode, you'll hear me refer to our guest as either Chief or Ma'am, because I had the honor... Of serving under her in her role as the 17th Command Chief Master Sergeant during my time as a military member in the 452nd Air Mobility Wing here in California. And not only did I have the pleasure of serving under her leadership, but now I am honored that she is my mentor and a friend. So, Chief, thank you for being here and joining us on the Command Your Life
1: podcast. It is my absolute pleasure to be here. I am uh, excited about our conversation and um, can't, can't wait, can't wait.
0: Thank you. So after hearing your bio, it's clear to me, and I'm sure the audience too, that you are an unstoppable force and that you aren't afraid of challenges. So can you tell me a little bit more about your journey and some of the challenges that you've encountered along the way?
1: Well, let me start with this, and that is that sometimes people see our journey from where we are standing right now, so that bile is um, biased to a point because it's highlighting a woman that was a command chief at the highest level at the Pentagon, and it's also highlighting a senior special agent for Customs and Border Protection, And, and, but, um, what your question is asking me is to, okay, we know the titles, but where is the person? That's exactly right. Yes. And, and the journey for me started, um, by making tons of mistakes started by me realizing that I needed to know who I was as a person before I could move forward to becoming that chief or to becoming that agent. Um, um, I am a single mom and that journey also is uh, painful, very, very personal. And it also has uh, in my heart, uh, I carry scars. Mm -hmm. And for many, many years, I cover my scars because I was too ashamed because I was embarrassed, and I'm no longer ashamed, and I'm no longer embarrassed, and I think that all of us have our journey, and all of us have a story, and I'm so glad that you're giving me the platform to share mine today. Oh, thank you, and
0: the resilience that it takes to overcome those scars, to to face them off, no matter where you came from in life, no matter what challenges you're facing, there's always an opportunity to get better, to grow, to learn more, to be better. And ma'am, you're living proof of that. You're living proof of that. And I'm wondering for those women out there that are stuck, that maybe they have these fears that they can't get past these limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. Can you tell us how you even became aware of them as maybe an obstacle and how you work through those?
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Self-limiting beliefs are that little voice that we all have that tells us we are not good enough. What are you thinking? You think you can do what? Uh, And that voice, that self-limiting belief is a voice in our brain that's trying to really protect us. Because we're trying to push outside of our comfort zone and that little voice is saying, no, 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 stay here because right here you're safe. Mm -hmm. So what happens with uh, a self-limiting belief is that if we're not careful, we will walk backwards and stay in that safe zone and never grow, never learn. But if we walk through fear, if we walk through that barrier, then what we encounter is opportunity, growth, and a self-awareness of who we are in which we get a different platform where we see the world differently. And mm-hmm. let me give you a very quick example of a self-limiting belief that I, that I had, and that is that... For the longest time, I had zero value and zero worth as a person. Mm. Uh, For some people that know my story, uh, my mom left my two brothers and I locked in a room. Uh, And, you know, the way that I I tell the story is the way that I remember it. And that's that I was five years old when my mom did that. And at the age of five, I became responsible. I gave myself that responsibility to take care of my brothers. And in that room, we were there for seven days before my grandmother rescued us. And this is in a small shack in Central America. Uh, We had water, no food, and by the grace of God, we survived it and our grandma uh, rescued us. But where did she take us? She took us to another, shack just like the one we had before so poverty has been part of my core Mm -hmm. so a self-limiting belief that i grew up with is that because i was i grew up very very poor then i would see people with education or people with money or people with opportunities and i would tell myself not people i would tell myself That's not for me. Mm. That's for them. That's not for someone that comes from a background that I have. Another self-limiting belief I had was that because I was abandoned by my parent.
0: That's awful, oh my God, yeah.
1: That I had, then uh, and adults and children are pretty cruel. So when my two brothers and I were rescued, the circumstances, and this is going to be kind of gross, but the circumstances where we were found were not the cleanest, right? So when my grandmother took us to a doctor, they found all kinds of parasites in our body. Oh my body. god! Um, they had to shave. Everything. I, yeah. I had to shave my my head. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm to control the parasites on my body. And I come from a very traditional Hispanic culture in which little girls have long, beautiful hair. And here I am with my two brothers, uh, looking like uh, like a boy, a mm-hmm. sick boy, because I was a sick child. And so I received tons of points and tons of people making fun of me and tons of comments of oh that's don't get close to her because she's sick. Oh 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 no no don't talk to her because she's the one that her mom left. So as a child I internalize all that and all those I those judgments. I- yeah. I'm blamed. Why did my why would my mom leave me? Well, I must be a horrible child. I must have been dead weight. So my another self-limiting belief is that I I had zero value, zero worth. And then how how do you work through that? Yeah. Well, you work through that by being strong. You work through that by getting up. You work through that by trusting people like you, people like you. Uh, because if you and I if you would have encountered me as a young erica I would have been afraid I would have been very quiet mm-hmm. and I wanted to be invisible because if I anyone paid attention to me i I felt that you were going to judge me and you were going to criticize me and I had enough of that mm-hmm. um, so um, what what took me out of learning a little bit about myself and changing self-awareness was uh, that I needed to trust people. I couldn't trust myself because my own self-limiting beliefs were so strong, I would have stayed in that corner. So when someone like you, my friend, someone like you showed up in my life and that person said, Erica, you have potential, Erica, I believe in you. And I know that sometimes we say those words in passing or we say it in in an audience Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, okay, whatever. I'm telling you right now, because I've been in that dark room, that when someone says that they care for you, that when someone says that they love you and that they trust you, you, I held on to those words and I trusted, I trusted your faith in me. Mm -hmm. So what made me walk forward at the beginning was people telling me that they believed in me and me not wanting to let them down. Oh. That's so so
0: so powerful. That's so powerful and I, and I hope that no matter what side of the spectrum that somebody's listening to this, if they are that person that doesn't feel like they're worthy that they could listen to me and you. Yes. Right now and today, and they can know you are worthy. Yes. You are worth everything you want. You are enough. And if you're somebody that knows another woman like that, don't don't be afraid to say those words. The weight of those words is immeasurable. The weight of telling somebody how proud you are of them.
1: Yes. Yeah. My gosh. Insane. Thank you. Mm-hmm. and acknowledging someone's presence and including someone in your ideas. My goodness. It's, it's caring, it's serving, right?
0: And I go back to this. This is one of my core values, and I, I, I know it's one of yours too, is to be in service, to always give what we can to others, to add value, to, to be a role model to show yeah. leadership, to show those examples, because one of the other things I was gonna ask you is, is there ever been anybody in your life that you've looked up to that, that has shown you the way? Um, did you have a mentor along the way and, and
1: who were they to you? So my mentors, once I, once I realized that mentors are important, and once I realized that I needed to be transparent, and once I realized that I needed to stop, I needed to stop being someone else. I really believed that if I share with you who I really am, that you would turn your back on me. Uh, so I needed to find that courage in which I could be fully transparent, fully authentic to you in order for you to be able to help me. Because sometimes we find mentors and we find people that love us, but we tell them a lie. And that person is trying to help us, but they're trying to help us from the platform of where they know us. Because we have not been able to truly share with them who we really, think we are because you said it we're valuable we're worth it mm-hmm. right uh, if you're if you're a person of faith you know that god does not make mistakes and that you and i right now today are talking for a reason because someone that. needs to hear this message yes. and someone needs to hear your message and their message without fear or if you do feel fear just do it with it right just control that monster inside your chest and move forward because you know that if you tell your story you will be I promise you you will be helping someone else's life
0: Mm, so so powerful but knowing what you know now and and conquering those fears and those limiting beliefs and, and being courageous, no matter how little that little step of courage was, is there any advice that you would give your younger self right before that moment, right before that moment of, of feeling that fear, what advice would you tell yourself?
1: I would tell myself to take more risk I would tell myself what I'm telling everyone else now to do, and that is that it's okay to feel uncomfortable. It is okay to feel fear. Fear is part of us. Fear is trying to protect us. But when we control it, and when we move forward, then we grow. We grow. cannot tell you how many people in my life again coming from poverty coming from a um, very traditional hispanic family in which my role at home was to learn how to be a homemaker and how to be a homemaker is fantastic Mm -hmm. and you know i i envy i envy women that can do that but that was not something that I chose to do, that was something that uh, was mandated for me to do because I needed to find a husband. And I needed to be a good wife to that husband, Um, not by education and not by being in the military and and being in law enforcement, but by being a homemaker. Um, And uh, I was horrible at it. And uh, my mom, I remember my, my mom, telling me that I would never find a man because I was uh, such a horrible student in the homemaking business. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, oh my gosh. I know. I know. But see, but let me go back. Okay. So I am left behind at the age of five. I am rescued, right? Rescued by my grandma. And then there's an earthquake in, uh, in Guatemala and I'm 12 by then. There's an earthquake. And the earthquake makes it to the United States, the news. And my mother who is now here, the mom that left us, is here in the United States with a new husband and with a new baby. So I have a sister and she tells her husband, I'm going back to Guatemala to see how my mom is doing now, how her kids are doing, how her mom is doing. So when I share this story, I go, my mom never told John, my stepdad, that she had three kids. So she shows up. Now, I'm telling you right now, I had forgotten her. My grandmother was my mom. And uh, we're homeless. We're in the middle of the street. Four sheets are, you know, the red red cross is feeding us. And she, there, she sees the conditions she there decides that she's gonna bring us with her. And that's really how I ended up in the United States at the age of 12. And that's because of that earthquake and, and my mom going back to Guatemala and then bringing us back here. So but she
0: just showed up back here with three
1: kids. kids. And then John saying, who are these kids? I don't speak English. Oh, he doesn't speak Spanish. So the only thing I can tell you about that conversation is body language mm. because a lot of emotion, a lot of uh, hand gestures, a lot of anger. And I'm sure my mom, I never, I never asked her, but I'm sure my mom was telling him, they're my kids, they're staying, deal with it. And, um, and John did. Not good. He was not a good, at the beginning, he was not a good stepdad. Um, when I left home, then he and I made peace and I was able to see life from his perspective as a man who married my mother, uh, with specific expectations and then how his whole life changed because of myself and my two brothers coming into his life.
0: Wow. Yeah. What a, what a, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> um, but how? How did you move forward? How did you move forward? Not even speaking English and you had to start school, I assume, and I did, figure yes. out life in this new country and this new language. And
1: I know. So I talk a lot about how amazing this country is and why I went into the Air Force and how um, I would do it today would give my life for this country. And why did I do that? Because when I came here at at the age of 12, I realized that there was something different about this land. There was something different about people here. Now, where did we go? My mom took us to Compton, California. Uh, At the time, not a good area. Oh, my gosh. Um, So very violent.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And my two brothers and I would get, we were getting beat up every day. Uh, tons of violence, horrible neighborhood. In Guatemala, we were poor, but I knew I was loved. Here, uh, we were poor, <laughs> but we, we were definitely outsiders in our neighborhood, and people let us know. Mm-hmm. My mom decided to move to Las Vegas. So, so think about this. I started school here in California, but um, from the, maybe the seventh, eighth grade on, it was all in Nevada, all in Las Vegas. Okay. And um, yeah, let me share this with you. Because I wanted to go to school and just because my mom brought us to this country did not translate to her being a good role model a good woman in my life. Mm -hmm. She continued to um, make horrible mistakes as a mom. I'm not judging, please don't. I'm not judging my mother, but she continued to make horrible mistakes. And when I told my mom that I wanted to finish high school, I was 16 then, uh, she told me no. And then I saw myself homeless in the street, Las Vegas as a teenager and um, not by the grace of friends and the grace of God and the grace of just pure miracles Mm -hmm. um, was I not able to find people in my life that were able to take me in allow me to finish high school and um, allow me to keep developing myself in this country Now, have I made horrific mistakes? I have horrific mistakes. And um, I didn't go into the Air Force until I was 22. And and why 22? Well, um, I did it because I was trying to save my life. I ended up because, I don't want to say because, but Yeah, because of my background, because of my self-limiting beliefs, because I didn't have any self-worth, I ended up with a man that was extremely violent Mm -hmm. and controlling. And in order for me to save my life, literally save my life, I ended up going into the Air Force Reserve in a way to escape an environment that police officers at the time uh, were telling me, they were giving me fair warning and they were mm-hmm. saying, Erica, if you don't do something, they couldn't do it themselves. Right. If I did not do something to save my life, they would find, without a doubt, my body, dead body, mm-hmm. out in the desert somewhere and soon. So when I talk to airmen and I talk to audiences and I tell them that the Air Force saved my life, mm-hmm. they, a lot of people can say that. Uh, I can tell you from my own life that the Air Force literally saved my life. But do you not see, do you not see how embarrassing that can be? Right. Here I am, the um, command chief of the Air Force Reserve Command, and, um, and then um, talking to audiences about me in, the, in my young self being a, a, not a victim, but yeah, I guess I was a victim first of domestic violence and then being a survivor of domestic violence and then being a conqueror. I don't see myself as a victim. I don't see myself as a survivor. I I see myself as that is part of my history, that is part of my life and I am very comfortable telling that story, Uh, not because it's a good story, but it's my story. So I told that story of how I got to the Air Force the first time at Travis Air Force Base and this is years ago. And it was during an enlisted workshop. So there's maybe 200, 300 people in the audience. And there's a panel of chiefs. I'm one of the chiefs at the panel. And they're saying, chiefs, can you tell us how or what made you go into the military, right? And all the chiefs are saying education and this and that and that. And that's the story that I was telling before. You know, Mm -hmm. I did it for school. And then I, I thought, I don't know, that day I decided I, I'm going to tell them why, really why. Mm-hmm. Did I do it for school? Of course. But did I do it to survive? Yes. So I told that story. And everybody's like, the, the audience just got quiet. Mm-hmm. Nothing, no one was saying a word. And I'm like, uncomfortable. And then afterwards, there was a young man, maybe 22, 23 years old. And he comes over, gives me this big hug. And and then he says, Chief, my mom hid from my dad my whole childhood because he was willing to kill her because she left them. Mm. Because she couldn't deal with the abuse anymore. So your story is the story that I lived as a child with a woman that was courageous like you. Mm -hmm. Isn't Mm -hmm. that amazing that he would, that he would give me that, I don't know, powerful compliment that, um, that date I, that day I learned that my story as quanky as it is, it can help somebody else.
0: Absolutely. And, as we go on throughout our lives, if we could kind of peel back these, these layers of protection that we've put around ourselves and kind of give ourselves permission to forgive ourselves and forgive others for the judgments and the, the bias that they place on us that we internalize, forgiveness, I think, could be a great gateway. With that, you'll see that we are so much more alike than we are
1: different. Forgiveness is key. Forgiveness is crucial because without it, we're, we're stuck. We're stuck. Um, that mom that left me behind with my brothers, that mom that kicked me out when I was 16, that mom that really didn't understand what I wanted. I was a dreamer. I said, what about if I, What about if I and I would just dream and I would dream big. My mom's dream for me and I share this story too. my mom's dream for me was for me to be a maid Mm. and for me to work in Las Vegas. And hopefully if I was a good maid, I would work in a big hotel. The MGM, Caesars Palace. Um, My dream to my mom and I, I shared this recently, my, my mom only knew how to talk to me and how to guide me from her own so limiting beliefs. Exactly. So when I told my mom, what about if I grow up and instead of working as a maid uh, at Caesars Palace, how about I stay at Caesars Palace? Mm. She couldn't comprehend that. Uh, so, I uh, I have stayed at Caesar's Palace a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Several times, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and, uh, and life has been pretty amazing, and I have been uh, I have been blessed. But uh, the forgiveness. So let me go mm-hmm. back to what you just said because that is very powerful, and that is that that same woman uh, that I was so angry at, that same woman that years ago, if you would have asked me, if Something happened to your mom, what would you do? I would have told you nothing i would I would if my mom was in the gutter, I would walk by her oh. and leave her in the gutter, just like she left me, just like she kicked me out just like because what was what was coming out of me that frustration, that anger that mm-hmm. that poison and um John, my stepdad. Um, He's dead now but this is what gift he gave me before he passed and uh, that is that he sat me down and he said Erica this is the deal my friend sit down and I'm sitting down with my arms crossed and I'm angry and he says let me tell you this story when your mom was 15 she was already married By the time she was 18, she already had the three of you. And by the time she was 20, she was separated, single mom, in a third world country with three children. Mm -hmm. So when she walked away and she locked that door from the outside, have you thought about maybe her not leaving you to die, but maybe leaving to create distance. And maybe her never thinking that it would take seven days for someone to find you. And maybe, maybe, maybe. So John was able to showcase a reality from a different perspective. And that's the seed that I needed to start forgiving my mother. Mm -hmm. And once I forgave my mom, resentment, anger, all that stuff just went away. My mom is, um, she's paralyzed now. She had a stroke years ago. She's a total care patient. Uh, we have to do everything for her and she's home with us. Uh, I have the gift to be able to love my mother and to showcase to her that she is valued that she is worth it and that, you know, we don't know how my mom grew up and what scars she as a woman carried, right? But I can tell you that right now my mom is in her 70s and she's loved and she knows that every day.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. That was only able and possible to do because of forgiveness. Mm -hmm.
0: You know right now so many people are angry, they're hurt, they're frustrated and they're just not able to see their own truth. And ma'am, you've said it. You said it's it's so hard to see past your own beliefs and and furthermore to be able to comprehend someone else's reality. But not only have you done that, you've taken it a step further and you have been able to forgive. You have been able to forgive your mother after the experiences that you have lived and you can show her love. You can show her her worth and you can tell her that she deserves all of the above. If only we all had that type of consciousness. If only we were all able to forgive and to feel this type of compassion for each other.
1: No, how amazing But we all have our journey. We all have our scars and um, it is very simple because I done it. So I don't want to sound like I'm lecturing, but it's a very simple for me to say, forgive. That's the medicine that you, that's the medicine that we all need. And I promise you, you're going to get better. But um, what I ha- also have learned as now a speaker, coach and trainer of people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's my purpose, people. Mm-hmm. So as I'm adding value to them, I understand that not all of us are at the same level of awareness,
0: right?
1: So you and I can talk because we can remember pain, we can remember recovery, and we can remember how good it feels to be healthy. Mm-hmm. But when you are in that dark room, when that anger is 100% you right now, Mm -hmm. how can you hear? You can't hurt people hurt. Mm -hmm. And we have the responsibility to share our story. We have the responsibility to then walk back We should never expect for them, whoever them are, to walk to us. We need to walk back and meet them where they are. Hear me, meet them where they are. And then walk step by step with them, their steps, not ours. I think that's the formula that I'm using right now. And it's the formula that is working for me right now. Speechless. Oh,
0: (laughs) I could chat with you for hours. You've dropped so much wisdom, so much insight and clarity and hope and courage. Is there any, any last words that you want that woman to hold on to that wants to regain her
1: courage or find courage? what would you tell her? I would tell me, because the message is for me as well, and that is to never stop growing, to never stop moving forward from, uh, from where you are. Courage is something that we do when we're afraid. We are afraid. Remember that voice, that, that fear that says, don't do that because you're going to get hurt and it's trying to protect us. And then here comes brother courage, right? That says, do it even so. So courage is doing things afraid. Courage is being able to take a risk in which you will gain. You might come out even, or you might be setting yourself back But guess what, you took action, action. And I also want to go back to something that you said that's very profound. And that is that we need mentors. We need people a few steps away from us and we need people a few miles from us because we need to see the big picture of miles from us but we also need to have that individual that is a few steps from us that we can model, that we can be near to. If we only see the big, big picture, sometimes we don't know how to get there. So we need those baby steps in front of us.
0: Right, right.
1: And then um, I, would, I would finish with, um, with what I did and that is that I put myself to the side. I don't listen to Erica, because Erica is talking to herself. Erica's talking to herself backwards. So I held on to that person that gave me hope. I held on to that person that gave me encouragement. I held on to that person that held my hand and said, come on and I trusted them. And once I had my own trust and my own courage and my own strength, then I started looking to the side, looking back and saying, who can I bring with me? Because sometimes leaders say, it's lonely at the top. And people go, yep, it's lonely at the top. I I am here to break that myth. If you are lonely at the top, you did something wrong. Because you should be at the top with everybody else that you have walked with. Yes, yes. You should never be at the top by yourself.
0: Yes, yes, ma'am. Oh my gosh. Everybody, everybody, do it afraid. Listen to these words, write it down, put it on your mirrors, put it on your walls, put it in your journal, everywhere in front of you. Remind yourself do it afraid, take the risk take that action borrow that courage if you need to and you can get to wherever you want to be there's no limits there is no limit there is no limits ma'am thank you so much for your time today i know that you have you've blown my mind you have everybody's going to love you and they're going to want to find you where
1: can they connect with you well i am on um on facebook I just have a personal page. Maybe later I'll do a business page, but right now I have a personal page in Instagram and LinkedIn. Okay. But um, I am here to serve. Um, if this conversation with you helps anyone else, mission accomplished. Exactly. If anyone that listens to this wants me to talk to them, I am here. I'm here for them too. Thank you. Absolutely.
0: And I'll drop in all those connections in my show notes, you guys. And as always, everyone listening here, take the lead, take the responsibility, never shrink yourself back down. And every step of the way, you are taking command of your life. Thank you, ma'am. So if you like this episode, make sure that you hit that subscribe button and leave me a review so this can reach more women leaders just like yourself. You can always connect with me on Instagram or via email and both links will be in the show notes. But until next week, stand tall in your truth, don't make excuses and command your life.